I've done a lot of stuff and I've learned throughout my career uh, that you're not going to be good right away, but you don't get better if you don't keep doing it. So if you get discouraged Ooh. easily, I just got a text. Dude, that, that's I, probably. I think that was the universe going, dang, he just dropped a bomb right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, I think so. That's that, did what you we're guys looking hear that for, too? Nick. <laughs> Those are the gems we're looking yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. I just tell people constantly, just do stuff, make stuff. It may, it's not, it may not be great, but you're learning. Everything you do, you learn. Oh boy. Yes, we are back. It is I, comedian Joel Byers, and you know what time it is. Hot breath. <sighs> Thank you to all the hot brethren and sisters that said that along with me. I ran into Kimberly in Huntsville last week who said she says it with us every week. So I hope you listening are doing the same. If this is your first time and you're like, what is this guy talking about? I just want to get to the interview with my friend that I know. Okay, we'll get there. Welcome aboard. Don't worry. I don't ramble on in these intros, but I just want you to know this is Hot Breath. This is your weekly guide to comedy mastery. Every Monday I'm in here dropping interviews with some comedy movers and shakers. Last week we had Menu Muraro, of your social team dropping a bunch of gems for social media and now hot breath episode 155 hot breath averse is a one of a kind we got to go behind the curtain of adult swim we hopped aboard the pirate ship that's what they call it a little inside inside insight there they call adult swim the pirate ship but all you see is the creative content that they're doing, but now you get to learn about how they do it, the actual structure behind it. Because you see this crazy, that's what I saw on the surface, is just all these weird shows that actually work. But why do they work? Oh, there's a whole system. There's actually grown-ups behind the scenes. I use grown-ups in quotes. It's a fun environment, but there is a reason that this is the number one TV channel for viewers under 35, and you're going to learn how and why that is today with my guest, Nick Gibbons, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, 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 Nick Gibbons. All I ask is that if you do enjoy this, please share it with comedy fans, with fellow comedians, just whoever you think would enjoy this, Adult Swim fans even, you know, um, Nick Gibbons fans even, you know, just people who you think could value from this because every week I want to entertain you but also want to help educate you. And this is a good one from a guy who has earned it the hard way by a lot of repetition, a lot of trial and error, but someone who did it by doing. It didn't stumble upon success. You know, he has worked on all of your favorite Adult Swim shows that you're going to learn about in this, and also now has his own show on Adult Swim. So it's none of it's by accident. You're going to learn how he's done it, and then also how you can also do it yourself. <laughs> do it yourself. <laughs> but um, 
it was fun interview. We got to actually do this within his office. It was a unique environment. He's a unique character. You can see me trying to keep him wrangled in. But when you have the comedy brilliance, sometimes you just got to let it fly. So this is one that you're definitely going to learn a lot. We're also going to laugh a lot. So thank you for tuning in and sharing your valuable time with us here at Hot Breath. So that being said, we will get into this episode. We have an exciting guest next week as well lined up. I will reveal in the outro. But until then, there is only one thing left to do. And that is inhale a hot breath with Nick Gibbons. We've got each other. To keep ourselves warm in these cold. I got you a water too. Oh, cool, a, man! A you're the water. you're the best. That's for host. you. Is this the? Uh, oh, I was gonna say, are you sponsored by by this? But it's yeah. you're sponsoring yourself. It's a uh, Fontas. That's you know Fontas. No, they're uh, they're Georgia. They're um, it's Blue Ridge Mountain water. So it's oh wow from the Blue Ridge Mountains, but they're uh, they're based in Marietta. So you just you call the you can do your own label and they're just like we got you covered yeah we, we know where to get the water the water plug yeah i haven't had any yet but i'm assuming it's delicious it is it's spring water full of now all the oxygen and hydrogen you need <laughs> in all the right order Ooh. oh all right here we go this is a strict time. You have to be like, this has to be this long. It can't be any longer. Oh, it's, yeah. it's, um, <laughs> I, just, I like to keep them around 45 minutes. This is coffee. It's by the way, I'm drinking. I don't oh, want this people is to not think beer. that I'm just like chugging a beer at the, nine in the morning. Yeah. This is probably one right of the earliest interviews I've ever done. If not the earliest. All right. But it's worth it. I did it. For Nick Gibbons. Congratulations. Welcome to Hot Breath. Thanks. I'm glad to, I'm, I'm excited to be here on Hot Breath. Do I, do I address the camera or just look at you? You can. You can address the camera. It's kind of, you know, improvised. I, I, I'm very, you know, when we do shoot my show, there's seven cameras, I think. Really? And I never, I never know. And they, the, the switcher is just switching to all the different cameras at random. So I, I always address one camera, then I watch it later. And it's like, I just look insane. It doesn't <laughs> look like I, I'm just staring randomly into space. Isn't that the aesthetic here at Adult Swim, though? Can we make it look insane? I think so. I think they think that just a bunch of different shots, random shots, makes it uh, different and weird, which it does, but just makes me sick to my stomach a little bit. How, do, how does this place even work? Like, it's like so mysterious. We, we were mentioning off before we started, like, this is the number one basic cable channel for people under 35. Mm -hmm. And yet it seems like it's a circus that has no direction. And like, it's just kind of, it's just weird. And it works. How? I, I Why? think you just... I think you answered your own question. Uh -huh. It's a, it, it is literally a circus with no direction. I mean, they have some direction. Well, okay, let, let me back up. You, your first question was, how does this place work? Uh, it doesn't <laughs> uh, on the inside, but for some reason it works on the outside. Like there's, it's so, uh, I love this place with every fiber of my being, but yeah, there's just, it's just nothing that's done here is done correctly. Huh. It, uh, it, if you worked ever in a corporate office and then you worked here, you you it would you break you would break your neck on be like what is that? that's not the way you're supposed to handle that situation and uh, so you sort of but we're all just sort of 
socially inept artists wandering around, stumbling, doing things, and it just sort of all works. It's like an artist commune of some sort. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, it's just, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I don't know how it works. I, there's been several times I'm just like, how are we still here? Uh, this doesn't appear that to be the way any you should do anything, but it just all gels for some reason or another. But there's got to be some sort of structure behind the scenes, right? Like there's, yeah, there is there. I mean, we are owned by a corporate entity, uh, which drives the, drives the ship. But, uh, I mean, in and out of, of the shows that we produce, I don't know. I mean, there is a, a structure, there has to be a structure to it. There is a structure to it, but on the inside, it doesn't seem like there is, you know, because mm-hmm. we're not privy to the private meetings like the big, the big head honchos meeting about right. everything. Like, um, I mean, we're we're the network that's known for not branding itself. Like, we we, we sort of don't. Ha- we have a logo. It's an Adult Swim thing, but we're not. We don't stamp it on everything that we make. And if you were to buy an Adult Swim product, it wouldn't have. You wouldn't know that it was Adult Swim product right away. You you would have to be like, what is this odd item? Oh, it's from a show. Oh, it's an Adult Swim show. Like it would sort of, um, the dominoes would slowly fall into place. It, it's not. It wouldn't be like immediately. Like, oh, it's a Coca Cola product because it says Coca Cola right on the front. Exactly. So, so maybe people appreciate the minimalism of it, as everything yeah. is so polished now and so like manufactured to try to like stimulate everybody's senses at every turn. So maybe this is the approach that maybe is the future. Uh, yeah, and I've always, I've always like, I mean, I don't like all the shows that we make. Uh, I've, I've, it was the same. When I was a huge fan, I started out being a huge fan of Adult Swim, um, but I would watch the shows and be like, I would cherry pick which shows I liked. And I think mm-hmm. that's the, I think that's what gives it staying power. It's like, even if you don't like the show that's on now, just stick around and there'll be something completely different and weird afterwards that, that may, uh, you know, play to your sensibilities or whatever. So there's so much different stuff. Like if you shoot with a shotgun, you're going to hit something trust <laughs> me true. i've done it a lot um <laughs> well like your show as seen on adult swim you started a little over two years ago that seems like a show that's just hey i just woke up and this was an idea and now it's like a running show like how did that even come to be yeah it was uh i was i've been doing improv for a long time uh i'm very old i'm not the demo of our network anymore which i think most of the people here aren't but um <laughs> which is fine uh, don't tell the kids uh it's, like it's their dads making all their exactly content. if you don't tell the kids that everyone making with the, the stuff they like is 20 years older than them uh and being saying 20 years older is being nice but uh yeah it, so the stream started about four years ago i guess mm-hmm. it started with fish center with uh with max and matt and dave and cho and all those guys uh basically talking over a fish tank it was sort of a silly thing they're like well we have this live capability of, of streaming to the internet let's do something with it. and i think matt malero thought of fish center and they were like let's just show the fish tank and talk over it like it's a like it's a show called a sports show about fish and then they turned they've over the years they've turned it yeah it's such an absurd idea it is yeah Uh and they've and it's been going every day for four years and they've they've you know they come up with they came up with games and stuff and it's it's just it's just silly it's it's kind of relaxing to listen to them talk it's uh it's i can't explain it but um so off the back of that, they were just like, well, let's do more shows. And so they just kind of kept kept creating 
strange sort of shows with a weird sort of adult swimmy take, uh, which is a lot harder to do than you would ever imagine. Uh, hmm. Matt Harrigan runs the runs the streams, and yeah, just he cultivates what he what he thinks is the voice of, of adult swim um, and it's a hard voice to hit uh trust me what do you think it, what is the voice i don't i still don't oh, know okay i didn't Literally, know if you found the note no no there's no okay. it's i think it's hidden d- buried deep underneath the concrete of the building there may be a little like fortune cookie that says you know <laughs> everything you need to know but no one has found it yet um but so I was so the streams have been going on for about two years when when uh, when I was approached to do this, and I had pitched some shows to Harrigan, and, and all of them got the the merry dismiss. So I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna stop pitching now because mm. <laughs> I can't get anything past the goalie. Um, <laughs> so I just sat in my office, just gnashing my teeth and under my breath saying, I'm a professional comedian. Why won't, why won't they let me do anything? Uh, crying, crying in my coffee every morning. But uh, one day, Harrigan came down and just said, can you kill an hour talking about a towel? And I was like, just an hour? Sure. <laughs> wow. So that night, we I would call my wife and said, hey, I'm going to stay an extra hour at work today. And she was like, that's fine. Uh, so we did the first episode, and I killed an hour talking about a towel. Um, and he said, that was great. Can you do it next week? <laughs> and, uh, I was like, sure. And it just, we've done it every week since. So, and it wow. sort of morphed into what it is now. It wasn't, uh, it's gone through a lot of changes and mm-hmm. as it, as it grew and became what it is now, but now, now it's just, uh, as seen on it, it's its own little, its own little show and it's a, a blast to do every week. And for people that may not know, it is you pretty much. It's like a HG, not HGTV. Ah, you're trying to H- say QVC. QVC. To, those are the LOL. Letters. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like a QVC of Adult Swim products. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Every every week we we sell. <laughs> it's me selling Adult Swim things, and a lot of you know, uh, it's. We have to take a hiatus now every every eight weeks mm-hmm. uh, because we we now handle everything ourselves. We did we had a fulfillment company for a while and that sort of blew up in our face and we we're like, well, well, we'll handle it all. So not only do we cultivate products, we have to s- send them out ourselves. Ugh. So whereas we used to have like a hundred or two hundred of something, now we can only have like twenty or fifty at the most of a product because uh, we're all doing it ourselves, and we we lean on the interns to help us do that. And we don't have interns the whole year long. They go away for a while and we get new ones. So we have to take a break now from the show for a bit while we don't have interns. And and that gives us a chance to get new merchandise. Blah, blah, blah. This is very boring. This um, is not boring. You're doing <laughs> I know, Sorry, I know. Buddy. This is the, in, the ins and outs, the nuts and bolts of the show. But uh, Yeah, well, that's what people don't see. All yeah. they see is the veneer of Adult Swim. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's just entertaining for the sake of just being weird. But, I mean, there is, like, there's some information infrastructure behind the insanity. Yeah, I guess there is, uh, you know, I I never, uh, I mean, I don't think about it a lot, but yeah, there is a definite sort of, there's a voice of our network. uh, And it's, it is hard to find that voice, but, um, and I've always thought that our voice is many voices, which, uh, which I think it plays to, like I said earlier, if you don't like one thing, just wait, something else will come on. Right. And uh, with the streams, especially it's, you know, um, there's all these weird shows on there with with uh, just basically people around the office. They just grab people and said, "Hey, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that?" Mm. People would pitch shows, and uh, we have a show about how to draw. We have a show about crafting things, uh, and uh, 
the, the name. Oh, How to Draw is what that show's called. That's it's an easy one. I'm, <laughs> my brain is old and addled, so titles and names just slip right out. Um, but yeah, so as seen on, it's, it's, uh, it's become sort of an outlet. Just It's me improvising for an hour. Like we have meetings and we're like, what are we doing this week? Or what are we selling this week? Let's come up with uh, Sally, who's my producer, Sally Skinner, who has also has her own show, um, Stupid Morning Bullshit. Uh, you can bleep that out later. Oh, it's fine. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've called into that show before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've it's, called in. It's a great show. She's so great. She's so much fun to watch. And uh, she, it's, a, it's a daily, hers is a daily show, but she's also my producer. So she produces my show every mm. week. Uh, and she's fucking phenomenal. She's this like... Uh, on fire I just I like for instance I, I said this a couple shows back we were selling some squishies those like stress ball things mm -hmm. and uh, s since we only have a couple of items sometimes we have to come up with contests a lot of the times because I'm like I just don't want people to like have to be the fastest fingers on the internet so I'm like let's have a contest if we only have five items and people can call in or do whatever to, to win the items not to, to so they don't have to fight with each other on who's the fastest um, at ordering things online but uh, I'll we'll come up with contests and stuff but uh, the other day we had these squishy balls I kind of went on a tangent there let me get back to my original story <laughs> sorry uh, I'm just in a boat going around in a circle you're, um, doing, you're doing great buddy thanks thanks I feel good uh, so we had these squishy balls and I'm like hey Oh, I remember what my point was. We do contests, and we do a lot of dart throwing contests, uh, where I just put people call in, put their name on a dartboard, and I'm like, "All right, here we go." And I usually can't even hit the dartboard because I'm a terrible at sports. Um, so I was like, "Let's do a reverse." This is a Tuesday meeting. I'm like, "Let's do a reverse dartboard where it's, uh, it's nails sticking out of a board, and I throw the squishy at it." Uh, <laughs> and lo and behold, I I. Any, when I say anything, it's gone out of my brain. It's like, I forget it. If I write anything down, if I write a script, I'll read it a week later and be like, oh, this is really good. I don't remember writing any of this. Whoa. Uh, so I don't know what, what that is. I don't know if it's just purging or, or what, or if my brain's just too slippery and stuff just slips out of it. Uh, but I totally had forgotten I asked for that. I get to work on Wednesday night to do the show and there is a beautiful round wooden uh, thing target you know black, red and white target with nails sticking out the, it was the scariest thing you've ever seen it looked like something out of a you know Eli Roth movie or something but it was out of your brain and it came out I was like I asked for that and there it is <laughs> it, it's, uh, it manifests itself uh, and it was one of the coolest things we've ever done on the show because I they had a great shot of the board as I threw one and it just it's stabbed through it was rusty kyler was mm. a squishy stabbed right through his head not oh. unplanned it went through his head right through his eye right in the middle <laughs> of his eyes and they had a great close-up of it and i was like wow that's crazy but uh it's insane that i can just ask for something and then it just appears that's uh that's a weird feeling how do you find the balance because I'll, I'll do this with my stand-up too especially when i first started stand-up i would do a lot of weird stuff i'd like roll around on the floor and like rub the walls and like in finding this finding this voice that it's not only like it can be absurd but it needs to be like palatable as well like how do you find that balance that's 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 great and, and i should i wish i would have seen your early stand-up um <laughs> now that you say that uh i try i try to do stand-up 
I, I, I'm from Texas originally, mm-hmm. and while I, I was there till about 30 years old, and I got married and moved to New York because my wife refused to move back to Texas. She was in New York at the time, and she's like, I'm not moving back to Texas. you got to move here. And I'm like, okay. So I moved to New York, and I sort of hit the ground running there with comedy because I, I had been performing in a show in Texas every week, a weekly variety show, and it was me and my buddy, and we could do whatever we, we wanted, you know, and we had a, a great audience just built over the years. And, and uh, so I was like, well, I'm moving to New York. I don't know anybody. I, I guess I have to do stand-up. So I started trying to do stand-up yes. before I left. Texas and it's just it was horrible it was awful it's the worst thing ever and I got to New York and it's even worse because there <laughs> these things when I was going when I first started doing it um, the open mics had turned into what they call bringer shows oh yeah you had to bring the crowd you had yeah to bring and I knew know anybody it was just my wife's friends who had to, these poor people had to come out and oh. sit through these terrible comedians just to watch me do five minutes maybe of really bad stand up like and, what what was really bad me my my yeah. ex oh it, you know, they're, oh man, I, like I said, I don't remember anything I write, but they were, I mean, I had a very, um, a very, it was almost like, uh, what's that comedian who passed away recently and he had just very one liner stuff. Um, and Mitch it was, Hedberg? yes, it was very, I didn't, I'd never even heard of him, mm-hmm. uh, until he died. And then I started listening to him like, wow, that's exactly co- sort of what I was doing. Like it was just one liner okay. sort of things. Like I would say, you know what? I can't stand babies. They just keep falling over. It was just stuff like that. Just really <laughs> weird. And all my comedian friends were like, you can't do that. You need to t- tell stories. Uh, that's how you do improv. Uh, which there's no, as you know, there's no way to do improv. It's just whatever. Or to, to stand up. It's just whatever you want to do. Uh, whatever fits your your voice and stuff. And that got in my head. Like, well, you have to find a voice. Because all of them were like, we got to find your voice. You got to find uh, who you are on stage. And, and I didn't know what that was. And that was the biggest stumbling block. I would, I would be like, I don't know what my voice is. And then I found improv pretty quickly. And I was like, Ooh, this is easier. Cause there's more people right. involved. I don't, I can just lean on these people. Right. It's, and it's, it, you know, if you do improv and you know, improv, it's, it's the job of the other people to make whoever, to make you look good. Like, I mean, it's your job to help them look good and their job to help, mm-hmm. help make you look good. So I was like, I like that more than up there by myself because you do stand up, you know, stand up community. They're not the nicest people. They're not the most supportive <laughs> people. They're just back there gnashing their teeth and waiting to go up. And it's a single there. player game. It is. It is. Yeah. And uh, and I'm a very single player guy too, which I thought that that would be the way I would want to do comedy. And it is in a way, but it's I, you know I found a, a great community. I went to UCB. I did uh, improv at UCB for five years yeah. when I was in New York, and and that was a great community of people they were very nice and and, you know it was very supportive and it was just it was it was great i had a a wonderful experience with those guys so any epic bombs you had on stage like a get booed or something i've I've never gotten booed on stage before um not that i i may have i maybe i put it out of my memory uh-huh. Um, I have gotten heckled. Oh, I did get heckled once. I did get heckled once. This is a great story. 
or I'm assuming it's a great story. Let me tell it and you can decide. Um, <laughs> I love how you have to like preface everything with, I'm this, doing terrible right this now. This may not be very good. But okay, this is an awesome story. Actually, you be the judge of yeah, this. Yeah. Well, I'll, yeah. I'll have some scorecards over here. I'll hold up a one or a 10. Exactly. All I can hope for is that you judge me. The uh, one will be my middle finger, harshly. by the way. Uh, so in, <laughs> when I was in Texas doing this, uh, doing this weekly show, uh, the guy I did it with, uh, uh, Ricky Derrick, is a, a lounge singer, a lounge singer. He does Sinatra songs. He's really mm-hmm. good. And he's still there in Texas doing it. It's like a 16 piece band. Um, so far it's a good story. Yeah. So, so we would, he would do shows. He, he had like a five or three piece band that he would do like little bars with shows with and stuff. And sometimes he'd be like, Hey, can you come out and do Shecky? Shecky was this character I did in our, our show where I put on a, he looked like Tony Clifton. It was a mustache, dark glasses and a t- t- tuxedo. And, oh, yeah. and I would just, you know, little, 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 hey, hold on, I'll do the voice. He'd talk like this. Hey, you know what's going on that sort of thing and and i would just tell really bad one-liner jokes that's how you almost got the andy kaufman award exactly i did i almost won that not doing that character but mm-hmm. yeah um so i uh this is a character that i've done i did for years and occasionally he would be like hey come out and do this show open the show with shecky because originally it was just a joke me and my buddy it was a joke for us because it was how bad it was like the point was to be bad uh but slowly it got la- more and more laughs. And so I kind of got precious with it. And I started writing mm-hmm. jokes. Because at first I was just stealing Henry Youngman jokes because I was just like, oh, let's do this. This is easy. And then I started writing my own material. And it just sort of grew and grew. And people started to love the character. And and uh, it was a lot of fun to do it. So I, I was trying to get laughs at this point. So that's where we are in the story. I'm trying to get laughs. And we're in this bar. <laughs> and there's maybe five people in the Like, it's a yes. huge bar. And there's yes. maybe maybe five people. Um, so I'm doing my set and, uh, you know, it's going as, as well as you would expect it to go. Bad one liners with five people, you know, not a lot of laughs or any, mm-hmm. uh, and this guy, this drunk guy sitting at the bar screams, I got a joke. And, uh, I goes, Oh, please, sir. Tell us, <laughs> tell us your joke. And he, uh, he says his joke. He screams his joke out. Nobody laughs. And I, pause for being to go it ain't so easy is it sir <laughs> and uh, that's the best heckle that was the best comeback you just let them do their thing and yes. he didn't say a word for the rest neither did anyone else though right <laughs> but that nobody was else laughed either. nobody else laughed either so but you know it's funny when the even the audience is bombing yes but oh yeah that is a great way to just deal with hecklers though is just almost let them fall on their face yeah like, well the, and the, the thing about that character for the longest time was people you suck bergman became something someone would eventually yell in the crowd it just huh. became something that would happen in the show and i had all these comebacks like uh you must have had it. Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? Like I had all these very bad. I go, sir, uh, can I borrow your face? My ass is going on vacation. Just stupid. I had all these stupid. I would write all these comebacks because I knew that I would have to use them. And it was it was a joke for them to say it. They just wanted to hear what I would say, what my comeback would be. And that mm-hmm. would be it. But yeah, it became sort of like a, a running gag for the audience during the show even back then you had the adult swim voice i did yeah yeah exactly oh it was just it was yeah we came up it was a variety show so i came up with about 15 characters of the run we did it for about three years and every week and came up with a bunch of different characters through that show um 
and it was just a ton of fun just to come i came up with a bad magician character everything was bad magician. it was all a bad yeah did oh yeah she used to work in a magic shop i did used to work in Way a magic store when. for about seven years i worked at a magic store during college like in high school on into college uh and i i stopped doing magic about halfway through working there <laughs> So I would, you know, I would just call myself a recovering magician because mm-hmm. uh, I wasn't. It's a lot of practice and I just didn't want to. I just I had other things to do. Couldn't yeah. be playing with cards all day. There yeah. were girls out there that I need to be playing with. Uh, so and you got to be at Adult Swim eventually. Yeah, exactly. I got I'm building up a resume to be here at Adult Swim. So but it was it was a fun place to work. So it's like, yeah, I'll just keep working here anyway. I know a couple of tricks. I can get away with it. But yeah, it was fun. So I had a little bit, a little bit of basis for that magic character. I would just, mm-hmm. I would do kid show magic as, as a Vegas style, like uh, magician, like a Siegfried and Roy sort of a thing. Your creative output is crazy. Like how how many characters you've been able to create throughout your career, and how many different like short films you've been able to write, and like what is how? Because you're talking about how you don't remember everything you put out, but like how do you actually? How do you generate these ideas or how do you actually collect them and then know how to implement them in certain ways? You know, that's a lot of creative people, especially comedians, which are a lot of the listeners is just like, we're always walking around looking for material and like, oh, that could be something, that could be something. Like, how do you start to like filter out or edit since you are an editor here? Yeah. How do you start to divide that filter? Well, the, for me, what works well for me, I've, I've noticed throughout the years is that deadlines work really well. Like if I know something's coming up. I will be more apt to sit down and sort of shit out some ideas or start start writing something because um, I I don't like being caught with my pants down in a way I don't like showing up to just so, showing up to something unprepared it's frightened it scares the hell out of me so I always want to be over prepared for everything um, with improv not so much obviously because you just have to show up and, and start talking and hopefully something will come out that's moderately amusing uh, and if it doesn't hey it's improv right <laughs> it's yeah. not always going to be great which is a great excuse for it's a improv. great saver yeah yeah it's a great stage, thing to fall yeah. back on uh, but like when I feel I feel like I'm a bad comedian because I don't I don't look at my life and see I kind of do with a scene on, I'll talk about, I'll talk about things that my kids did or something that happened with the kids. That's been a great sort of source, but I don't, I'm not always, I don't always have the comedian's eye to look for it. Like I don't always see a situation. If a situation strikes me as weird or or odd, Mm -hmm. it will stay in my head and I will think, Oh, I need to talk about that on the show. And I'll write down just a quick little like, cheat sheet word or whatever it's like talk about this but i won't like plan it out like write it all out and be like this is you know how i should say this or whatever so it's sort of just a jumping off point or a topic um for the improv but for the short films and stuff i would just have a joke i would think of a joke and i'd be like oh this is this is strong enough to carry a short film and my short films are very short they'll be like three minutes or five minutes long and i I learned real quick that you can't hold an audience's attention for very long with it, with that sort of thing. Mm. So it's got to be short. I've always been like, get in and get out. Like if I can make, if I made a movie, it'd probably be 20 minutes long. I'd be like, that's an entire feature, <laughs> feature film. Feature film, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I've always been, but I guess a feature is just a bunch of short films strung together. Uh, and the guys here, the writer, like Chris Kelly or Casper Kelly, edit that out. It's Casper Kelly. Casper Kelly. Um is always always on my ass about why don't you write a movie you've written 
five movies at this point with all the short films that you've done. It's just it's just putting those together and making a movie. But it's it's a different. It's definitely a different animal writing a feature. Than, oh yeah, the whole arc and everything. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a tough game, but short, short films are very. I like short films because it's you can get in and get out. You can make it real quick. Uh, not always, but um, if you have an idea, a short films the way to go because you can immediately see the result of it. And um, the the only problem is short films don't really get you very far you kind of have to do a longer thing to, to show mm-hmm. look look how much uh look how much i could do i don't know the right words but yeah look what look what i can do basically how important has it been in your career to just create you know as an artist we can try oh, yeah. to overthink and romanticize it i'll yeah. do it when it's ready but how important has it been to you just to just do it uh, it's uh, it's incredibly important like i would when I started making live action shorts, the the I, I use I use every medium as an excuse to learn that medium. Like I okay. I uh, I've always wanted to do animation, and when I got into my my internship and eventually my job at, at DNA Productions back in, in Texas, the, the they're the place that did Jimmy Neutron. Um, you just cold called them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just said, hey, do you? I walked in. I walked in with a bunch of drawings I'd done in college and at the time I was in college and I, I did a show not unlike as seen on we had a college run uh, TV station and we did a show called the all nighter on Wednesday nights I think oddly enough hilarious yeah. same night same night and it was sort of live to tape where me and my buddy would go and shoot stuff in the studio then run into the tape room and show like five minutes of stuff and they would show like the terrible shows that we made for a little bit and shoot another bit and come back and we just break into the shows and be like here's another thing um but there was a bit on that show called stick puppet theater and i would draw these these sort of cartoony looking characters and color them and cut them out and we'd put them on the end of stick of uh popsicle sticks and do little and i would write these really bad puppet show things and we would just do the things and i just went into dna with a bunch of these things that i'd drawn on oh. popsicle sticks and I'm like here's and they liked it a lot they're like yeah yeah come in and intern here and turned into a job for i was there for seven eight five, six or seven years i can't remember now but isn't that how you started editing here too you just yeah. edited something without them asking and then you got the job yeah here i just uh your pretty face had i'd been working on aquatine i came in here to originally to, to edit aquatine which was great That's and awesome. uh, I, I got to work on the let's in the building i got to work i worked in a post house before i was here and we the post house that actually animated aquatine so i sort of worked on it you know outside the building mm-hmm. and then that place went away and and dave willis was like well come we need a new editor come work for us it was just all luck it's just literally right place right time which is i tell everybody it's like it really is lightning in a bottle there's no formula especially for this place there's no formula to get in the building it's just it, it, what I was people don't want to yeah people don't want to hear that but it, that's <laughs> literally i mean unless you have an amazing show that you've made or something it's really difficult to to get in to get in the building here but yeah it's just all sort of it is all the dominoes were in the rice i've used that analogy a lot i'm gonna stop talking about dominoes for a while although their pizza is delicious the, pe- the oh. thin crust oh my god are you kidding me um so uh, there's better it's it seems like their thin crust is it's almost like diet pizza uh, diet pizza yeah. well it's, there aren't real ingredients so it probably no, is yeah it's i think it's sense. i think it's literally paper yeah there, uh, but it's delicious <laughs> paper i like it um where was i what were we even talking about um, well, I'll, right. I'll uh, yeah. No, you get you go. Yeah, I was just thinking because what it is good to be behind the curtain here because uh, 
here in Atlanta, we have an amazing comedy scene. Oh yeah. And it is like, why, why aren't there more comedians in here that are like based in Atlanta? So even if it is come down to pitching a show, would it take us, take us, would it take me? Should I have it all written out? Should I have it written and filmed? Like what would be the best way to like pitch a show here? Um, I think if, you know, I'm still trying to figure that out because I'm trying to pitch shows. Uh, People are, people always ask me, how do you pitch a show here? And I'm like, I'm not going to tell you because I'm trying to pitch a show and I don't need the competition. Um, But the real answer is I don't know I've done it. And it's, it's very, it's, it's really, even being in the building, it's still, it's still difficult to, to sort of get a pitch through. Um, Mm. And for, even like for creators of shows here, it, it's it's hard for them to to sort of get to to break through because they are looking for nobody knows what they're looking for anywhere. Like pitching a show anywhere, they'll tell you like I have a rep and he'll be like they're looking for this type of this box. They say here's the box with, uh, that they're looking for, um, and nine times out of 10, they won't ever buy the show that fits in that box. Like I have specific, he's be like, they're looking for this, this, and this, and I'll put together a pitch. That's all those things. And it just doesn't, it doesn't fly because it's pandering to what they think they want. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's the hardest thing to, to, to do because from what I understand, and this is just conjecture on my part, but, and I've heard this said a lot, but they don't, they don't know what they want until they see it. Exactly. So you could come in with what they think they're looking for and they won't like it. You can come in with something completely out of left field and they'll be like, I like this a lot. I don't know. I haven't seen this before. Let's take a shot at this. Uh, and all, and a lot of it is also, you know, cult of personality. If you're a famous person coming in with something like that, that's the thing that was most upsetting to find out was like, Here's this show that I want to pitch. It's great. It's fun. It's different. Uh, but you're not going to get any traction unless you attach Ben Stiller to it. And I'm like, well, I don't know Ben Stiller. <laughs> and uh, uh, I don't know how I would attach him to this or anyone of the, of like him. And and that's sort of upsetting. But it's, it's, it's good and bad in my mind because I know there's millions of people that think they have a show that they could sell. Uh, and... Um, I'm going to say 999,984 of those shows aren't very good and don't need to be made or have already been made. Uh, So I think in some way it's a good, it's an insulator for all of that. Uh, And especially with like YouTube and stuff, every, everybody has a chance to make their own show. And you would think that that would garner a lot of, shows on TV like oh we discovered this guy or this guy's great but it just has it doesn't really do that and the ones that do get discovered are it's a very small percentage of people uh, just because it's easy to do something doesn't mean it's going to be any good or you know so uh, and I think that I think that the how easy things are to make now is sort of it, now you have to work a little harder to get to get good stuff out there i think i don't know obviously i haven't figured it out yet oh i see yes okay i'm still working towards figuring all of this out (laughs) i should right before i die i think i'll be oh and then i'm gonna die i'll be like i got it oh i figured it out the light bulb goes on just before it dies yeah yeah yeah, (laughs) before it burns out it shines brightest before it burns out exactly all right okay so that 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 answers no questions you're welcome (laughs) 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 thanks for listening no (laughs) 
I will like ask a question and then we'll start to go on the track and then you're like, but then this over here kind of gets over there. It's a pretty bad, color over here. I have a very bad uh, uh tangent tangent that was one of my jokes in my stand-up i was like i have a friend who goes off he never finishes a story because he goes off on all these tangents that reminds me of this other guy <laughs> uh, so that's funny yeah see yeah that's there funny. you go if you're, you should have been in the kidding. audience more <laughs> so but it's a lot of timing too exactly so it may be funny here but in front of like four people in a no, bar it's not gonna when everybody's just sad. Bar is gonna be like i don't like that joke i got a better joke <laughs> how do you how do you uh, editing, you know, is a big, you know, that that's that's right in your wheelhouse. Yes. You're a professional editor. I am. I do it for you know, realsies. I won't ask you how I can get a show on Adult Swim when you're trying to do the same thing. I know. Well, you so, know, and that's a fair question, though. And I, and I hate to, I feel like I swatted it down. I did not want to do that uh, to, to get a show on our network. I think you have to. Here's the, here's what you need. Here's. And this is, of course, no guarantees. But here's what they yes. what they ask for. Yes. Um, you have to have an original voice. It's got to be something that's you. It's not like so many people have tried to be like, well, they just like weird stuff. So I'll do a show about a turtle that it's a space turtle, and he only eats antimatter and he farts gold. <laughs> yeah, like that's weird. That's a be a great show. Um, and it's it's there's more to it than that. Uh, there's more to it than just a weird idea or a weird location. Cause I've, I've got pitches like that. I'm like, these are, here's, I'm going to tell them cause I don't want anyone to steal them because they're never going to get sold anyway. So it would be pointless for you to steal them. <laughs> um, but just coming in with a, a left field idea, it, there's more to it than that. You need to have, it's still something that's going to be, it's got to be compelling and it's got to be grounded in a, in a certain way that, you know, there's, people are going to want to continue watching. I think what Lazo said to me once is uh, a good show is a show with characters of people that you want to hang out with. Mm. Like you'd be, you, you want to go to the bar with, or you want to go, you know, to a bris with somebody with or whatever. Um, so that, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm that's smiling. A because that made me, yeah, that's, that's a, case that people me, know what a bris that was. made me giggle a little bit. Uh, I just threw that out there and there was no, you didn't react right away. I'm like, Oh, that's a good one. Uh, no, I got so, you. All right. I'm supporting. Um, so that's basically it. It's like, if you have, you can have a crazy idea. It's that's fine. And that probably will help you. But, um, if you can follow it up with, um, some good characters and a good point of view that's maybe a little bit skewed, but relatable in some way, then that that's a great basis for any show, really. Mm. Um, there's so much TV out there now. It's like, you know, I feel like television and entertainment in general has become more like Adult Swim in, in so much as you can pick and choose what you want to watch. There's so much out there that no matter your taste, there's going to be something for you t to, to latch onto. And I don't know if that's good or bad. I think that's good, but I think that, uh, the dissemination of like money and, and, and stuff is going to get to a point where it's going to be too much. Like there's, there won't be enough money and attention spans for everything that they're, they're wanting to create. But we're, I don't think we've reached that point yet, but we're getting close. So for example, with your, you made an um, animation called uh, Radioactive Crotch Man. I did do that. Which sounds... You've done your research. It sounds ridiculous, but then it won Best Animated Short at South by Southwest. You're just as surprised as I was. So, so on the surface, it sounds absolutely ridiculous, like your example you had of somebody pitching a show. So what was it about that that actually made it like connect with people? I don't know. Okay. 
okay, here's the thing with that. Uh, th- South by Southwest is a festival. The big, it's now it's huge. It, it it was big when it started. You know, a little big. It sort of it's grown to just just behemoth festival that you, one of the main ones you have to get into. And it's in Austin, Texas, which is a, a great place. And I lived in Dallas at the time that I made it, mm-hmm. and um, I I had a short film in the year before. And I had gone down, I drove down, it's like a three hour drive, John, gone down to, to see it, which is a lot of, it's very nerve wracking to see it. And, it. and it's in the shorts festival, which means there's a, a lot of other shorts uh, in it and with it. So you have to watch a bunch of shorts and yours will come up. And um, so it, the year before I had one, and I think maybe Fast Driver was in it, which is this speed racer parody that I had made. And, uh, I went down for that. That was fun. I went back. And then Radioactive Crotch Man was in the next year. It got into the festival. And I I was busy or something. I was like, ah, I don't want to. And you get a free pass. I'm an idiot. You get a free pass at the whole festival. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, I don't I don't have time for this. I don't want to drive three hours down to go. Uh, so the festival happens. I'm doing whatever, playing tic-tac-toe. I don't know what I was doing. And a buddy of mine calls me after the festival's over, says, congratulations, man. And I'm like, thanks, what happened? And he's like, oh, you won your short one at South Southwest. Right. And I had no idea. I was like, oh. Why do you think it won, though? Uh, I, you know, I don't know, because I, I wasn't there to see the other shorts. Uh, like, I can only assume, <laughs> how low the bar I can was. only assume that the <laughs> other ones were so bad that, uh, um, but it's, it's online, you can go watch it now. There's a lot of my, uh, I want to say crap online um, content. We'll I like that it. word better. We'll call it content. Uh, so it's it's a funny short. It's it sounds ridiculous. The title and that's was the point to to make it sound ridiculous. Uh, and but it's just a it's just a trope on on superhero before there you know before there were twenty Marvel movies a year. Um, it was sort of a takeoff on superhero genre. And it's like, what if his, all his powers were in his crotch? Uh, and I had built, I had written all this like backstory and stuff. Like he got hit in the crotch with a meteor. Um, and then he just, all of a sudden, and I wanted to do more of it. And I was like, this should be a series. It'd be fun to, to play with this idea, this insane superhero idea. No one, no one ever pointing out to how weird it was that, his cry they were just always happy to see him and he helped out um so it was a really basic idea um spoiler alert he comes down and gets a cat out of a tree with his crotch that's that was the idea like oh this will be funny and then there's a commercial for crotch pops his cereal at the end of the thing and hmm. so it sort of I, I feel like i feel like it's smarter than it sounds maybe but i was young but i was very young when i made it so i was just an idiot back then i mean i'm still an idiot but but that's why I was trying to get at with you saying when you pitch something, it should it can be absurd, but it needs to be grounded in reality or yeah. it should be someone you want to hang out with. There should be some sort of truth behind it that yes. people can connect to. Definitely. So is that what happened with that is, yeah, Radioactive Crotch Man, you're like, what? Why would I even watch that? But then it wins an award and you're like, OK, so there's something there that people are connecting to. Yeah. And, and, it, and I think, you know, back then I didn't know all that stuff. Like, I didn't know you needed a grounded thing. I was just trying to make funny content. I was like, I, I was I just love to make people laugh. And I still do. That was my main driving force behind anything. So. Uh, this was funny to me and it made my, it made my friends at work laugh. Uh, it made my boss, Keith Alcorn at DNA. He did the voice for a radioactive crotch man. Um, he was, he just had this funny voice and the character is very, 
he's always laughing and he's very happy and he's very upbeat. And I think, I think there's so much joy in the film, so much mm-hmm. fun in it that gotcha. I think that is what people sort of latched onto. And it was, and you know, curiosity too. It's like, what is this? Um, because you have, I think with a title like that, especially you have preconceived notions going in and uh and it got into the spike and mike festival which was a thing back before youtube was a deal that was the only way to sort of see subversive animation was this touring animation festival called spike and mike and and it got into that and i think with that especially a lot of the stuff was just dirty was just like the filthiest things you could think of and and people sort of were expecting that and then this thing came up and it was almost wholesome in a way uh and that was surprising I think to a viewer because the title sort of was like you're expecting one thing and then it's just sort of not that. Uh-huh. Okay. And I think that that was in its favor, I think, because you could go you could go a very different direction with it, you know. So not only the voice of a project, but also like the energy behind it. Like what is almost the tone or like yeah. the the hue of it. Yeah, and know? I and I'm I I may I I'm twisted and dead inside, but I think I haven't always been. Um, but <laughs> but I like I, every I answer has been prefaced with "Here's what's wrong with what yes. I'm about to say." I, I but I'm very I'm also and I have always been extremely positive and very upbeat, and I, I'm an optimist above above everything else. But twisted and dead. But inside. I'm now it's over the years I've become twisted and dead inside. Okay. But I still carry that veneer of optimism. Because that's how I want the world to be. That's how I want things to be. And, okay. I, and you know, if I can't leave a room better off than the way I entered it, then what's the point of being a human? So negativity and, and anger and whatever, it's just sort of, uh, and let me just say, if you worked with me, you would be like, God damn, because I can go on some diatribes, some really negative <laughs> spiraling, you know, in my worst times, I can definitely be a pretty depressing negative. Oh, yeah, me to too. I think it's just like the pendulum. You yeah, know, I feel like a lot of comedians, we can we can really go in any direction oh, to yeah. the polar ends yeah, yeah. of all those emotions. Yes, yes. And it's not uh, it's not fun uh, to, to when that when I'm in those not fun for me and not fun for anybody. But I have good friends that will that understand mm-hmm. they're like this is they're like oh nick's not feeling good today uh but it, but for the most part i mean if i'm not i would i would be remiss just not remiss that's not the right word but i i, I would think i would if you were to ask anyone let me back up and rewind this a little bit if you were to ask anyone in the hallway about me they would probably say he he's always smiling like he doesn't stop smiling uh and because i don't because i don't know i just i'm always sort of in a good mood (laughs) about life even if life is shitty i'm still like yeah not dead yet so let's keep going um so yeah i don't know what that meant but uh, you're you're a happy guy i'm a happy guy that's well yeah (laughs) you just edit out all the other stuff and just put in hey he's a happy guy this is going to be a Five second mm-hmm. interview where she's gonna be like, I, I present so. you Nick Gibbons. It's like I'm a happy guy, and it's like, well, the that end. was the episode. That folks. was Nick Gibbons. He's a happy guy. I think <laughs> we got to the bottom of it right away. <laughs> so the, the last thing I want to talk to you about in getting into 
your actual job as editor. Yes. And this is in more broad strokes of just editing in general, which I look at, I look at writing as a muscle and then I look at editing as like another muscle. And they're like two disciplines you have to hone because especially with editing is, you know, there's a common phrase of kill your babies. And oh yeah. We do that constantly. So how, how do you create the discipline or what kind of um, exercises have you developed over the years to be like, you know what? In, I like that, but I know for the cutting room floor, it's it, you got to squash it at the yeah. end of the day. How do you develop that discipline? The the biggest the biggest driving force for that is, of course, time constraints because you're you're given this eleven minute thing that you have. What you've done has to fit in this eleven minutes, and I'm talking specifically about yeah, your pretty face, um, which is a great show. You should watch it. By the way, I'm gonna plug mm-hmm. it because it's 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 all on Hulu. All three seasons, I think, are on Hulu right now. It's it doesn't get enough attention. It's super funny, smart, and everyone in it's extremely talented. Um, uh, but with as far as editing goes and knowing what to cut, it comes down. This show's bizarre because it spends more time in edit than most shows would. Most live okay. action shows would. And it's because the uh, directors, uh, Casper Kelly and, and Dave Willis, who are geniuses. Totally. They, I'm aware of Dave. I haven't met Casper, uh, though. He, they, they, want, they want to beat the shit out of it until it's as funny as it can possibly be. Okay. And they write scripts and, you know, they, they in their head have ideas of the emotional tone of a scene or what they were trying to get across. And then I, I get all the footage and I cut it together before they see it. And I have no idea what they're, what's in their head. So a lot of the times I won't get this, the tone of a scene right because I don't know what they're thinking um, most of the time. But it's either Sometimes they like it. Sometimes like this isn't working. This isn't the right tone. But the first cut of any one of those episodes is going to be 17 minutes long. It just is. They they write they overwrite for it, uh, and so we're we're left with six minutes to cut out. Yeah, which is difficult to do because you have a, a storyline you're trying to get across. You need things to make sense and connect. There needs to be some connective tissue in there that, that, that leads you to the next thing. Um, so we'll get in. They usually just look at all the takes after I've cut it together and find sort of what they like the best. And we'll sort of reinsert some stuff. And, and the good thing about editing here is we're more of a creative editor. We're not like a technical editor. So we have good time, comic timing. We have, that's why they want me in the building is because I have comic timing. I can see something maybe they didn't see or, or, or create a gag that wasn't there before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll put a lot, I, I'll pour a lot of creative energy into something. Um, but when we get, when we have to start cutting things, it just comes down to what isn't, as funny like what's what do we see as a joke that's not quite hitting so it's it, it anytime it's always about cutting the least funny thing and trying to make the funniest possible product we can make so it just comes down to what's not working what's slow what slows things down um and what can we remove without making it not uh, you know the viewer not able to understand what's happening or, or follow the storyline to the logical ending of the story but even in projects you've written independently or you know i i always i look at a lot of things through the lens of stand-up comedy as well where it's like you perform on stage and 
it it may not be hitting, but it, it's not working yet because I just don't get it. But at some point, you yes. got to just come to the terms <laughs> that, hey, yeah. you know, for the sake of it has to be stand up comedy or it's not comedy. Yeah. So yeah. at some point, you got to squash your babies and kind of put your ego to the side. Yes. And put your editor hat on. Yeah. You have. To, I mean, if if you're doing comedy, the first thing you need to realize is you not everything's going to work. It just, it's just not. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's incredibly difficult for you to, to come to terms with the fact that something you hold so dear, it just may not be worth, worth following. And I, I have tons of people who have chased, you know, chased the tiger down the hole for years on stuff. And it's just like, it's just not going to, it's not working. You know, it's, you know, you need to, you need to, to move on to something different. Um, it's just hard. It's a very personal. All this, all yeah. this stuff is very personal to you. It's, it's, it's. You're laying your soul bare, and you're, you're, you're putting it on the line. Like this is. I know this is. I a lot of t- the only thing I could say is a lot of times, I will tell someone an idea. I'll be like, this is what I'm thinking about doing. And they won't get it because they're not in my head, and they're like, I don't understand that. I don't think that's funny. But I just know. I know it's funny. There's things that's just, uh-huh. I, it's a gut. It's beca- it's a, at this point it's become a gut, a gut thing where it's like, I know this doesn't sound right, but once it's done and once I get it out, how I want to get it out, it will work. And at this point, I would say seven times out of 10, it works. And sometimes it doesn't a lot, of, you know, a lot of times it doesn't work. And, and uh, I have to be like, yeah, I guess you're right. But I guess what I'm saying is you should listen to your, yourself more than other people on, on things, but you should listen to other people as well because you can't grow as a, as a comedian if you're not taking input from other people because it takes, even with stand-up, it takes a village to, to create things. You know, you can't just live in a bubble, live in a, in your, in a test tube of your own creation and expect, because eventually all you're going to have is an audience of yourself. Mm. If in in a in a you know perfect world, it would just be a bunch of views in the audience watching you perform, and that would be super easy. Yeah. And why would you do that? Because <laughs> it's not a challenge. Seven out of ten is a good success rate. Though. Yeah. Well, it, maybe it might not be that much, but it may have been over <laughs> time after you've developed and learned your voice. Oh, more definitely. And learned your creative process. Yeah, and it you get. I tell people that constantly. It's like. Um, people will come in and show me a short film or something. I'll be like, and it's not very good, but you don't want to be a dick, you know? Uh, and also being as old as I am, I'm very old. Uh, I've done a lot of stuff and I've learned throughout my career, uh, that you're not going to be good right away. You you just aren't. I mean, there's certain cases of, you know, the exception that that proves the rule but but for the most part you get better at something over time but you don't get better if you don't keep doing it so if you get Ooh. discouraged easily i just got a text dude that's probably i think that was the universe going ding he just dropped a bomb right yeah there. yeah i think so that's that, did what you guys hear that for, too Nick. <laughs> those are the gems we're looking yeah, for yeah yeah so it's 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 all you know you have to keep you have to keep you can't get frustrated if you don't succeed right out of the gate because that's you know that just doesn't happen for most people like you you'll hear 
like we just did the final deployment thing. Me and, and Casper did this thing. And, you know, for years, my rep has been trying in L.A. has been trying to get me meetings and stuff and nothing's hitting. And all of a sudden that hits and it's uh, pretty successful and people like it. And now all of a sudden I have all these meetings with people. Mm. Uh, and he said to me, oh, it's another one of those 20 year overnight successes. It's like no one knows who you are until you do something successful but for me it took 20 years to get something 20 25 years out you know to get something big enough that people noticed it um and that comes off the back of 25 years of writing things and doing things and yeah uh, doing yeah not just 25 years of wishing and hoping and one day maybe no 25 years of trial and error doing 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 i just tell people constantly just do stuff make stuff it may it's not it may not be great but you're learning everything you do. You learn more and more and you get better at it. And especially with improv, it's like it was I was horrible at it for the first two or three years that I was doing it. Just terrible. Uh, but I, I learned and I got better at it. I got more confident on stage. Like when I would teach improv, there was this one improviser that he was just like, how do you look so confident on stage? And because he was very he didn't have that confidence yet. He's very young. And I was just like, well, I've been doing it for a long time right. and I'm not confident on stage. I just learned to look confident on stage. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> I'm still that scared little kid. Every time I walk out on a stage, I'm like, Oh, I hope this is fuck up, but we'll see. And so even with scripted stuff, man, they really, I keep hitting these awesome statements. It's just like, <laughs> I don't know how you got that hooked up to ding right when I say something cool, but it's really working out for me. Um, yeah, but yeah, just, it's just trial and error and just keep at it, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad we kept at this interview because mm. we did, we got, we got to some gold there. Yeah. Man. Oh man. I knew you had it in you. I once, got something in Once there. we got through all the self-deprecation yeah, yeah. and self-doubt, you're yeah. like, oh, I have been doing this for over two decades <laughs> and do have some insight I could provide to people. A little bit. Yeah. Cause that's why I wanted to sit down with you is cause I'm like, wow, this guy has a wealth of work. Yes. So a lot of it, how and like why and what you do is what I like to interview people about, especially in the comedy world. So I'm grateful you were willing to actually sit down so early in the morning. Oh, no problem. Which is the morning for comedy. people. I, is I have, either. I am forced to get up at six every morning. So I've been up for a while, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. for family. Yes. Family. Okay. Who I, whom I love very much. Of course. Yes. Well, uh, I'll let you you um we're sitting here in your office i'll let you get back to work but um before we uh, adjourn is there anything else you want the world to know um no this was a great interview thank you very much for interviewing me you i really it enjoyed it i think we, it went well okay. i think good what we'll did you see like only time it? well i like the uh how in, in what's the word for casual it was how mm-hmm. casual it was it felt nice uh, i like that we're sitting on a couch next to each other That's it's right. uh, yeah I, I i you know i have some netflix so we could <laughs> chill if you wanted to uh is that still a thing um no it was great i had a lot of fun uh i liked I, I don't like talking about myself, but in this instance, I didn't hate it. Good. Well, I hope you listeners didn't hate it either. I know they didn't. They're going to learn from this. I hope they do. Uh, I, I do. It's, you know, it's, this is a tough, it's a tough profession. I guess every profession is tough, but this, this is a definitely a very sensitive and very, emo- not emotional, but very personal thing com writing comedy and stuff it's a very personal thing and it's mm-hmm. it's a lot of people can't hack it because they get real real bent out of shape when they don't do as well as they think they should but it just comes with time and comes with practice time people, time. people just want the magic pill but a yeah. lot of it is just just yeah. do 
it is just go out and do it do, and keep doing it and keep find find that voice find what works keep at it keep chipping away and we'll keep chipping away here uh nick gibbons thank you for being on hot breath my thank man. you all right joel byers is my name thanks for telling me at the end of the interview <laughs> i was uh if it had been information that would have helped me at the beginning of the interview but you're fine i want to make this as difficult for you as possible i know i was sitting know. here the whole time who the fuck is this guy <laughs> He just came into my office and set up all his equipment. Set up all his microphone. He's yeah. Like, How do I get a show it's on here, Nick? weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, buddy. Sure. Nice work. Uh, we did it. Yeah, we did was do that, it. Was that, adic- was that adequate? That was. Oh, we have the same birthday. I meant to oh, mention that. Oh. January 24th? Yeah, that's my birthday. That's yeah. insane. Yeah, I meant to say that. But I got everything else. We're Aquarius. This is... Aquarii. 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 Can I get your autograph on yes, this? Yes, of course. This is the research I did. Nice, nice. And, um... At the buzzer, we got the insight. Thank you so much, Nick Gibbons. Thank you... Hot brethren and sistren for tuning in. This was so impactful for me, and I learned so much just about consistency and believing in yourself and your creative process and just trusting the process. That is my favorite part about doing this podcast is seeing the commonalities where you sometimes feel like you're the only one that's going through these struggles, but when you can actually step back, talk to someone at a level you want to be at and hear that they too have said the same struggles and same doubts and same hurdles to overcome. So that was very insightful in this one. And after we actually got to go on a tour of Adult Swim, hopefully not the last time I'm on the pirate ship, but definitely an exciting time for sure. Uh, In the bathroom, in case you were wondering, they had a bunch of portraits of women that stare at you while you pee. So that's nothing (laughs) you wouldn't expect at Adult Swim. (laughs) But why were their eyes cut out and I could see cameras? Anyway, that was just me just doing a joke on the fly. I probably should have edited that out since I was talking to an editor. But editing is definitely one of the biggest things I struggle with. But it is getting out of your own head and just trusting what is the funniest possible outcome and just killing everything else. So kudos to you for listening. I would love to know what you learned from this. I just kind of shared what I enjoyed about it. But I really, really, really would love to know what you enjoyed about this. Maybe what you would like to hear more of. Maybe what guests you would like to hear more about. Because next week's guest... Amber Nash, hot brethren and sister, and yes, the voice of Pam on Archer. She comes in next week with so much insight into the voiceover world, but also why improv and stand-up comedy turns into like a gang war when we're around each other. A lot of good insight, and she came from popular demand. You asked and you shall receive, so next Monday she'll be on here, but in the meantime, in between time, all I ask just share the share the podcast please if you did enjoy it if you found it valuable we spend hours and hours and hours every week churning these out so if you do enjoy it the simplest way to show your support is just to share it with other people you think could find value in it but if you would like to show your support even more in the show notes there'll be a link to where you can actually donate to the podcast on our PayPal page so If you want to take it a step further, the holidays are coming up, you want to 
drop a little bit in the tip jar. It'll be in the show notes. So if you're into it, you know, if not, I get it, I guess, you know, I appreciate your support, you know, support keeps the lights on. You know, I'll just tell Georgia Power that I'm short this week, but I've got support on fleek. All that rhymed, by the way. Now, I'm just kidding. I'm married, so I'm in a safe space. (laughs) She's at work while I'm recording this, so it's all good uh, for now. So if you do want to show that support, go ahead. But otherwise, your listens are really all the support I need, and it really does keep me motivated. I've heard feedback from so many of you about what you like, what you don't like. Please, if you're listening to this and you're like, you know, I should. He asked for it every week. I should show that support and feedback. This is the week to do it. So if you're going to do it, please, social media, at Hot Breath Pod. I'll be posting video clips of this on there as well for you to enjoy. Facebook, Hot Breath Pod as well. Joel Byers Comedy on all social media is my personal one. JoelByersComedy.com is my website. If you'd like more info on where I'll be performing or on there and also linked in the show notes here. If you're listening to this the week of its release, this Saturday, people, I'm hosting a podcasting workshop. It's a three-hour crash course on how to start your podcast from start to finish. I was going to say soup to nuts, but that's just a weird saying. But I said it anyway, so I don't know. But long story short, everybody and their dog is trying to start a podcast right now. And if you Google pod, how to start a podcast, like 500 million results show up. So... I pretty much decided to make it easy on you, give you three hours. Here's everything I've learned in my three years of experience in podcasting to help you create your own successful podcast. So that'll be linked in the show notes if you want to come hang out. And if this listening to this the week after, uh, November 10th, when the podcast is, I will do more, but I also have an online course that I will link in the show notes as well if you'd like to do the online podcasting course. If you're not here in Atlanta, but you still want to start your own and hang out with me. So it's up to you, really. You know, podcasting is only the booming platform that you see everyone starting. How would you like to create one that'll actually stand out from everyone else and take away all the guesswork? You know, that's enough pitching for me and my liberal arts degree. So in closing, thank you for listening all the way to the end of this. I do not take it for granted. I do know you're all very busy and you're out there on your grinds, whether it isn't comedy or you're just a comedy fan that's out here just enjoying learning about the process. Thank you for being a part of this process of 155 hot breath episodes. Woo! Let's get out of here. If you do need an event host as well for the holiday season, I'm your boy. Or if you need comedy entertainment, I'm your boy. I will travel. And anyway, here we go. My dog is looking at me like, okay, Joel, enough self-grandizing. Hey, dog, do you want to continue eating whatever dog food uh, my wife buys? I'll cut it off. I'll go straight back to kibble and bits, okay? That's what I thought. Sorry you had to hear that. Anyway, in closing, as I've said now, I have to thank my engineer, Amon Garner. He actually has his own podcast network going on. If you go to boldkoi.com, you can get more info on how you can work with him, whether through his network or if you just need audio help. That's the dude. So boldkoi.com, hit him up on there. And finally, at the end of all of these episodes, I thank 
my wife, Erin Byers, she made the theme song you hear at the beginning of every episode and the end of every episode. So thank you, dear, for all your continued support. And thank you, Hot Breath Averse, for all your continued support. So subscribe on iTunes because I post more than one episode a week now. But these long-form interviews are every Monday. So if you only listen to these until next Monday, right here on Hot Breath. Oh.